Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast, Thursday, first day of December. Just realized that. Clemson preparing for Saturday's ACC Championship matchup against North Carolina. Still some things to play for, believe it or not. The hot topic on the website, of course, is how the quarterback situation will unfold from here. Plenty of in-depth insight and intel on that from myself and Paul Strelo at TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864 864- 4-9-9-0-4-5-8-1, or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Football season is grilling season and Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three. Weber, Traeger, and Big Green Egg Grills. Blackstone Griddles, too. I'm Jack Oliver. Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com. I'm Josh Burrell, receiver and running back for the Florida State Seminoles. When I'm back home in the Midlands, I enjoy grilling and relaxing with my family, and we get everything we need from Jack Oliver's Pool Spot and Patio. Thanks, Josh. I'm Jack Oliver, and we proudly offer the Big Green Egg, Weber, and Traeger Grills, Blackstone Griddles, and beautiful patio furniture, too. We're located at 3303 Forest Drive in Columbia and online at jackoliverpools.com, and we deliver. They're good people. Go see them today. Okay, to this week's guest, Jacoby Ford, talking about life. His post-football life, talking about Clemson football then and now. Really enjoyable conversation. Here we go. All right, joined by Jacoby Ford, former NFL player, of course, former Clemson football star. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just dealing with a little rain down here in South Florida. But other than that, I'm doing really well. I don't think you remember this, but... uh, I think you came back, I don't know, five, six years ago, and you were playing. we were playing NTBA, the noontime basketball over the athletic department. And I was playing, and I, tra- I was trailing you on a fast break, <laughs> and I went and tried to pick the ball away, and all of a sudden, the next thing I know. The Achilles. No, my head. I got Your a concussion. I've, some, something happened. I think you rose up, and I went up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> up in the air. The next thing I know, I'm on the floor and I pull my head up and I look and everybody else is already on the other end of the floor, 90 feet away. And I remember Dabo looking at me saying, Larry, are you okay? 
And I'm like, I have no idea what happened. So every time I see you, I'm like, that's the guy who gave me a concussion. But anyway. Man, my bad. Man. Yeah, you know, it's, football players are the worst players to play basketball with. You never fail. Especially if you're an average athlete like me or below average. Yeah, yeah. Imagine playing against Anquan Bolden. He <laughs> where he literally runs through you. He's when we um when we all train when we all train together um in, in Delray. We would Wednesdays was our recovery day, so we would just go play basketball at a, a a gym right there down the street. And you want to be on Anquan's team because if not, he's literally gonna run you over every time he drives to the basket. <laughs> so it's like either get out the way or just let him go ahead and score. But even if you do try to foul him, he's just so strong. Uh, it was it was crazy, but yeah, it was sorry about that, man. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, it was always interesting in the years of play, being able to play that NTBA group, seeing like how former football players how it translated to the basketball court. And the guy who blew me away the most was Richard Hall. Um, Hooper. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, animal. Smooth, Hooper. Smooth. Smooth. Yeah. Smooth game. But um, I used to always love how uh, DeAndre played, too. I was and about to mention him. But we had some hoopers on our team, like DeAndre could hoop, Marcus Gilchrist could hoop, Creston Butler could hoop. Like, they, like we really had some hoopers um, on that team when I played that could have played. Like, I think they could have played at Clemson. But... Yeah, it was it was always good whenever we would sneak sneak over to Fike and get a couple games in. Was that something that was forbidden by the football coaches, or made more just like, "Hey, be careful," or what? Uh, I think back then it was probably it was more so just be careful um, and just kind of you know be smart. But we, but we never we, we never did like intramurals um, basketball or anything like that. It was always just like some pickup games and stuff like that. Just because you never know, just like uh, the intentions of other people, they might want to be a little rougher just because, you know, you play ball and who you are. So I always had to just be mindful of those things. But for the most part, uh, we managed it very well, um, I think so. But we would also go use that, that facility to work out too as well, especially with the little inside track that they have just right up there to go run around. Yeah, th- this, of course, is before uh, Dabo Land that they currently <laughs> they currently have over there. Yeah, uh, I know, right? pretty wild yeah it's even evolved even more since the last time i seen it when i just came back up in october um from the time i came before that it's, it's more stuff now i'm like yeah that's i was like okay that's 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 even better so congratulations i love to see it thank you yeah thank on the clemson really hall of fame it. induction is that um how often do you over the years have you gotten back uh, for games, and how, when was the previous instance before you came back for the NC State game for the induction? Um, I'd probably say with the COVID going on, so that would probably set us back a couple of years. So I'd probably say I, I haven't gotten up there probably since like 2018, I want to say maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get back up there and just, you know, be able to share that experience with my family and my daughter as well, that was, that was definitely one of the highlights and still surreal to me. You know, just I still been taking it in. It's I don't know I just been like just just humbled about it. Just kind of just like uh, how I always been. Um, just carried myself about it. I, I was just waiting on it, just patiently waiting. And then when I got that call, I was you know it was just a sigh of relief. You know, 
finally to get in there for football and track. So it's a big accomplishment and definitely thankful. So you were inducted with, let's see, Daquan Bowers. Um, who were some of the other ones who were in that class? Uh, Dwayne Allen. Yep. Um, oh, man. Um, some um, soccer. Yep. It was, we, had a, we had a good we had a good group. I, I, I don't want to mess his name up. <laughs> so I didn't want to say his Oh, Gooch. Gooch. I just said Gooch. Yeah. I can't mess that up. Yeah. Gooch <laughs> was in there. Um, yeah, we had, a, we had a good class, so. Uh, the um, gosh, I forgot the guy. He played. He golfs, mm-hmm. and, he, and it was uh, it was interesting to hear him hear him speak because usually, you know, you have a lot of the athletes that would go to the football games, you know, regardless of sport, which was always you know it was always good because we would always go as well, and um, to hear him say that he would use Saturdays as his day to go grind and go golf kind of just it that, that put a whole just perspective of you know just a different way that they grind you know the way that we get extra work in that's the same way that you know he took it upon himself to get his extra work in and he he would use the courses because he said the courses were scot-free because nobody was there because everybody was at the football games and i just kind of thought that was super unique and uh just different you know there's something different you don't you don't really hear often yeah different way of grinding yeah most definitely let's see daquan bowers Dwayne allen jacoby ford kyle stanley brad miller patricia mamona wesley russell yeah patricia oh gucci on okay just gooch like you said Uh, (laughs) 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 joey mckenna Suzanne Van Fleet. I guess you uh, you gave a speech. What was your speech about? Uh, tell us about it. Uh, my speech. They asked me. They asked me where I got my speech from. Uh, told to my mom. Uh, uh, explained to CJ who was in attendance that how much of a role that he had on he the impact that he had on me whenever we played um, football and whenever we also got to share track and field together as well. Um, because I, you know, it was a story I never told, you know, it's something he would never know, but when I had tore my hamstring, my last, and my, it it was my last, um, hundred meter race to try to, I was going to win. I was going to win nationals Mm -hmm. and, um, I tore my hamstring and I still finished the race. And the first person that was there waiting for me, you know, right there when I was getting done was CJ and, you know, I got teary eyed, you know, I got, you know, choked up a little bit just sharing that because you know just the relationship that him and i have you know it's like a brother to me and i'm still to this day you know he's so passionate about coaching just the same way he he was when he played and he loves he loves he loves the game so much and it's so great to see him back there uh coaching and um and then and just uh I did forget to mention, um, I did want to say just now because uh, I didn't get to say it in my speech, but uh, I did want to say a big thank you to uh, Coach Bob Pollock and Coach Foster. Um, rest in peace to both of them mm-hmm. uh, for giving me a chance and show, showing me ways to run and giving me ways to reach my full potential. Um, definitely started me off in the right foot when I was doing this track and field because I did not know anything and thanks to them they were able to start helping guide me in the right way so 
um, big thank you to them, and I uh, definitely do miss them. How hard was it to juggle the two in college? Um, it was it was um it was tough. You just had to make sure you got your schedule right. So, and you didn't want to have a class that you needed to always be there that you can kind of miss a little bit and still get the grasp of things. Because uh, I made the mistake of taking statistics and trying to run track, and that was not something I was coping with very well. So I had to end up dropping that class and retaking it in the summer because with missing statistics, it was uh, it was challenging for me because I needed to be there to understand that a lot. But they honestly made it very smooth for us because football and track they were just really much they were going hand in hand. So they didn't intervene with football, and football didn't intervene with track. If track needed us then we would go to track for we go to football for half or vice versa go to track for half um but th- i think the best moment was when me and cj got to play in the spring game and then right there at halftime they took us over in a golf cart and we had to go run over in a track meet and him and i both pr'd in the hundred and wow. uh, just kept yeah and just kept dropping times and you know so it, it was unique and <clears throat> it was just a great balance because with the turnover that you get in track, you know, it's, that's something hard to teach in football. If you get tripped up and you're able to get your feet back up under you quick, you know, that's something that you learn in track. So that's just where the two of them can complement each other and they both can go hand in hand. And, uh, I, I mean, I loved and I benefited from it. Uh, and I, and I loved and I wanted to see how far I could, you know, push my body to be even stronger because I got my hamstrings a lot stronger. I got my quads a lot stronger. So there's just a lot of different things that you do in track that you don't do in football. And, um, you got to make sure you stretch more and know know a little bit more about the anatomy of your body. So it was it was a lot that went into play. And then we switched coaches as well, and they brought a whole different dimension to the game as well for us. So it was an adjustment for me and CJ at first. But, you know, we bought into the system, and I ended up getting a national championship out of it. And CJ got ACC championships out of it. And, you know, we ended up being very successful on the track just for being football guys. You and CJ came in uh, in the 06 freshman class together. Uh, I know the story of CJ's recruitment. Uh, Dabo has told that quite a bit. Can you share the story of your recruitment and when you first heard the, the name Clemson and when you first heard the name Dabo Sweeney? Um, so I went to Fork Union Military yep. Academy, and they would have coaches come there for uh, the comp- like little combines and um, games and stuff, and there was always a guy that showed up with this uh, white polo with an orange vest over the, over, over the top. Um, and he had this white paw pointed at 2 o'clock. And I was like, man, who's this guy? And he always, he always came up and spoke to me, and his name was Coach Burton Burns. Mm. And good old Stony Ball um, built a great rapport with me, always called me, always came and checked in on me. Um, we talked to Dabo here and there, but not too much because it was mostly coach, uh, just Coach Burton Burns. And he always came out into the middle of nowhere the most. He's the one that came out there the most, and I, I always took note of that. And he came and saw me do the combine, kept recruiting me, took, got me, got me there on a visit because he, you know, and then they heard that South, that uh, not South Carolina. <laughs> Southern Kyle had just showed up to see me at the prep school and uh, they thought I committed, but I didn't. So um, I went out to my visit to Clemson and I fell in love with it instantly. 
And it was during the Christmas break, so nobody was at school, so it was nothing to wow me with with the school, um, you know, just like the life of the school. I was there to see the family atmosphere of the of football, how they do things, how they conduct themselves. And then my brother was only an hour away in Atlanta. So that, that played a big part because I had family close to me. And I ended up committing on my visit. And I told my mom, and she honestly was not that happy at first because we dealt with about it. We dealt with Bobby Bowden before with my brother, and uh, th- their experience just wasn't as pleasant. But I told I told her that it was not the same. Um, he's really, really good, really great guy, and he had to fly down. Like they flew down to come see my mom just to make sure she was okay because she really was not having it at first. And then she brought in, and honestly, she's never looked back since, and she's still a diehard Clemson Tiger to this day. Can you refresh me on your brother's experience at Florida State? I, I have faint re- memories of that, but I don't, I don't think many people out there remember. Um, so he, he came in at the same time as uh, Travis Minor. Um, I want to say Jeff Cheney was there. And, uh, you know, and Work Dome was just getting done, so he came from the same high school as Work Dome. And... You know, my brother had ended up beating him out for the starting job, and then he ended up getting hurt and towards ACL. But back then, I guess they they didn't fix ACLs the way they do now. And my brother came back and got like a jump cut. Just did a little. He got a drop play, did a jump cut, tore tore it again, and just kind of was like uh, never the same after that. And just kind of just how they handled the whole situation just kind of put a bitter taste in our family's our family's mouth. for instance but you know still love the experience that we that we were able to have there and got to see a lot of great people you know like i got to see i got to see uh peter ward play in person chris winky daryl bush um andre wadsworth goodness um, sean black um <clears throat> take cody samari roll like ken dorsey all, all those good miami rivalries like i saw a lot of great games against fred taylor you know right here from yeah. from Palm Beach County, like boys from Bell Glades. So, you know, I saw a lot of great things and got to, and I, then I got to see my, them play Michael Vick in the Sugar Bowl, which was, I'll never forget that experience. You're there in person? <laughs> I was there in person. Oh, never forget that experience. <laughs> I was, I was there when Peter Ward caught that pass on that, like, I was in that part of the end zone. It was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. And then to see Michael Vick in person, he's the fast quarterback I've ever seen. I know they say Lamar is fast, but. Uh, this guy, Michael Vick, when he was in his prime, he was he's the fastest quarterback I've ever seen. Actually, one of the fastest people I've ever seen. You think Vick is better than Lamar? Was better than Lamar? Do I think... You said uh, faster. I'm just wondering if you think the total package uh, was nah, better. Lamar, Lamar, Lamar's done some, some, some great things, too. It, it's hard to take away from both. They both had great... I can't really say that either one is better because uh, I really loved, even though he would he was doing his thing against Clemson, but just to see what he was doing and how he was doing it, uh, Lamar was very on. He was unstoppable. Like I've never seen nobody get north and south the way that he does so quick. But it was just how quick Michael Vick can just go from zero to sixty so fast, you know. Like so that was just the difference in him. Yeah, I think Vick. I think Vick is a better passer. If I'm being honest. Yeah. I think Vic can sling it probably a little bit better, but especially his deep ball. I mean, I've caught his deep ball before, so I kind of know. 
and in the also in Vic's defense, he wasn't playing in an offense back in those days that was tailored to a great dual threat quarterback. It was more pro style stuff. Whereas Lamar has been in offenses that have accentuated everything, all the all the things he's able to do. Do you agree with that? Correct. It definitely was a lot different. Like Vic, you, you didn't, we didn't have the um, like the motions that come around now and change the direction and everything that they had back that they have now. Um, so I definitely think it is different. So it, w- it would have like it would have been great to see Michael Vick in this kind of this kind of style of offense, just to kind of see what he would do. Just because he has that quick flick release, if he does have to read it and does you know just get it out, um, I think I think he would have been extremely deadly in it. So Southern Cal was interested in you, and the Southern Cal of those days was a freaking monster. Uh, Reggie Bush, I guess, had was he? He had just left. He had just left. They had uh, Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez had just committed there, and then they had Vidal Hazelton, and he was at our rival. Um, he was at our rival prep school called Hargrave, and they both were calling me. They both called me. Uh, they were pulling out all the stops to get to get me there, but. I wouldn't take a visit because I knew what would happen if I took a visit. If I took a visit, I knew I was not coming back, probably. <laughs> like, I'm just being honest. I, I knew I probably wasn't going to come back. Like, Clemson, s- s- Southern California. Yeah. yeah I, think I probably, I probably would have stayed in Southern California. But I, that would have been so far from my mom, and she, she wouldn't fly, so I, I still probably would have stayed and still went to Clemson once I would have calmed down and got to my senses. She didn't like to fly back then at that time. She'll fly sparingly now, but that's very sparingly. So you were on that December visit to Clemson. Was that the same visit that CJ was on and James Davis hosted you guys? And I just remember with CJ's um, recruitment, that being a big deal, that he kind of hit it off with James, and that really helped turn the tide in um, his so my, my host, so No, so my host was uh, – I had LaDante Harris. Okay. So – and me and Ladante is from Alabama, and he was he was a junior at the time, and um, he's literally the one that gave me a lot of the wisdom and just like knowledge of the game because he was so smart and he was just such, such a technician, and just to be able to learn the game behind him at first and him teach me the offense, you know, he was a big help, um, especially at first because just to just to be able to have those older guys to be able to give you some reassurance like, hey, you're good. Uh, Ladante was one of those guys that when he he wasn't just a guy to just they just picked just to show me around and you know be my recruit. Uh, they picked somebody that I was gonna actually they knew that I would be compatible with, and you know we ended up hitting it off, and even still to this day, you know still keeping contact um, through social media and stuff. So it, it was it was different. It was very very different back then, but I I loved it. And uh, C- CJ's experience was it was a nail biter because we had to fight with Florida to get him. You know that was tough to to pull him up out of there. And I know you know his mom was not having it. Pat was not having it. <laughs> Pat was not having it. And it's funny because my mom's name is Pat too. It's Patricia as well. So <laughs> those those Pats they are not having it. I remember when he committed. It was on, I guess, the internet, TV, whatever. And oh my lord, the look on his mom's face was just. She was really upset. <laughs> yeah, she she she's great now. She 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 understands now. Yeah, she's she came around a, a while ago, I guess, and is now a big Dabo and Clemson fan. Um, of course, oh, 
You still there? Ten percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm here. I'm what What about the? I mean, if, I'm interested to hear your uh, recollection of not just when Clemson landed CJ, but <laughs> after the 06 season, he was headed back to Florida. Right? He was coming. He was. The, the Gators had just won uh, the national championship. And he was driving. Yeah, he packed up. What's that? He packed up. Yeah. yeah he, 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 was, he was. He he packed up and he was he was gone. <laughs> well, what do you remember from that? Um, I just I just was like, man, I hope you come back. But you know, I just kind of had to let him be because you know, CJ was just a guy that if he, if he wants to talk to, you, he's gonna talk to you. But you know, you had to just be somebody that he wanted to talk to. And you know, I didn't want to. I, I told him, I said, I want to be there. By, by myself the next three four years man so i need you to come on back and he's like i'll let you know what i do and before you know it, he just came back but just the but i just remember when he committed just the excitement around the campus like with him and ricky sap yeah then we were getting um daquan then we got mark like just just to hear the buzz but like when we started like when you got cj when they got cj just to feel the buzz that was that was starting to like go around was 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 good because nobody knew who i was they didn't know who i was at first i was i just enrolled i haven't done a thing at all yet so i'm just walking around on campus and i'm just hearing what you know i'm just hearing like how they i just want to know like what do the fans think you know what do the students think and they were excited and i can just, just always remember just like just hearing them all the time i think one of the reasons he was considering leaving was that music city bowl uh, against Kentucky, where he and James had like a combined twelve touches, maybe. Yeah, and that was a rough game. That was just a such a weird game. It was just a weird game. Um, just a very weird game. It's ironic we started that we started our careers playing that game against them, and then we ended our careers playing against them. But yeah. we won. But we won that time. We won in our senior year, though. So yeah, that freezing but, cold night in Nashville. 26 degrees. It was the coldest game I've ever played in. I tell my kids I coach all the time. Like I say, yeah, I played in 26 degrees, no sleeves. You guys play with sleeves in 70 degree weather and think it's cold. <laughs> like I can't. Like, but that's what. That's just what. They're like, yeah, these kids are different. <laughs> They're different. They say, I'm cold, coach. I'm like, it's not even cold. <laughs> so it's a uh, kind of full circle in a way. Talking about that. Kentucky game. I mean, I remember Dabo being unhappy. He was the receivers coach at the time. Uh, Rob Spence was not a popular figure because of his inability to get the ball to the playmakers. And here we are. Obviously, a lot is everything is different uh, with Clemson's program. But you got fans who are like, "Why didn't Shipley get the ball more uh, last week against South Carolina?" Second guessing the coaches. And I think even you have been, um, you know, critical in your own way on social media. What is your take? on the offense right now as they are trying to assess where to go at quarterback and just how the offense, which was looking really good. I think at the time you were here for the NC State game, there was a lot of hope and it seemed like an yeah. up, upward tra- uh, trajectory with DJ and with the offensive scheme. And it seems like now it's like, wow, what what what's happening? What's your feeling on all of it? Well, I definitely think uh, the in- injuries definitely plagued us, um, especially with receiver. Um, cause we got to be able to have those playmakers downfield. We have, you know, we have Antonio's doing a great job in the slot and outside whenever he can. 
And you got Bo Collins making plays whenever he's in the game. But, you know, he just went down. And it's just like, you know, where's that next guy at? You know, we haven't got it there. You know, but we just, it's just, we just have, we, we're just missing that, that, that big, um, we're missing those big plays across the middle. We're missing that big body. We need somebody to, to go take the top off. Antonio will take the top off all day. Um, and then we, we just, and then we just got to figure out what we want to be as an offense. Like, are we going to be run or are we going to be pass, um, pass heavy? Because, what we've been used to, and I, I tell people, I say, man, we, 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 you guys got to understand, we went from Taj to Deshaun to Trevor. Like those are those are all, all three of them are great, amazing quarterbacks that did some great, crazy things at Clemson. And um, so I just think that that level of, of of play for them and just the playmakers that we always had around them, as well to complement their great play, helped. And that was what we were spoiled with. We were spoiled with those quick hits across the middle, those big plays at tight ends. And we were, and our tight ends have stepped up major this year. Like that's definitely something that we were lacking. I think last year with, um, with tight ends, just, just cause we just, I don't think we had the depth, um, the depth to do it last year, but this year we've, we've definitely had depth and they've, they've done a great job, but it's just gotta be consistent play all around. I feel. And cause we have the playmakers to do it. And it's just, there's gotta be a want to at this point. And whether they like, they don't have to listen, like, Criticism is going to come with this game. This is the whole point of it. This is what you sign up for. This is football. And when you go to a major school like Clemson and you're on a you're a top 10 team all year, you're going to get criticized regardless. But Clemson just always gets criticized a little bit tougher if you if you ask me, which I don't understand why. But it just seems to kind of just go that way. But I, I think they'll be fine. You know, we, we've, we, we've got a dog at running back. We've got Shipley. We've got Mafa back there as well. I, I love Mafa. I love Mafa. Just we need to just keep pounding and running with him more downhill. I feel like like we get in the red zone. I feel like Shipley, Shipley, Mafa, whatever, whatever doses you want to give, but give them the ball. Let them let them be the ones carrying the ball. Let's let's not even give the ball in our quarterback's hands at times. You know, like we have those big guys to do it. I trust them. Like trust them because I bet those that that irks those guys sometimes if we do have to if they do want to do a quarterback run sometimes. And that ain't taking away from the quarterback. A big body, yeah, you would love to do that. But why give why t- why let DJ take those hits? Like, take those hits off of him. Like, there's no point in letting him take those hits. Let's let Mafa, let's let Will Shipley go downhill and just impound it in there and run behind that big old line that's been getting better all year. They've been getting better. They've been having their times, but I've just seen an old line that's been getting better, and they're, and they're going to continue to get better. It seems like the offense, uh, I guess the offensive staff not being able to figure out the right scheme, I guess, is maybe a product of not being able to figure out DJ (laughs) because he can look so good, example being Wake Forest and even NC State when he has it all rolling and he's playing fast and loose. Mm -hmm. But then he can go into a shell and you're like, you can see the play calling sort of become kind of scared too. Yeah, I mean that doesn't help them either. I mean we're we're giving them little bubbles to throw. We're giving them, you know, little screens. And then even last week, like people thought that first pass that he almost threw an interception was on him. No, that was not on yeah. DJ at all. That was on the receivers. They the receivers messed up out there. I don't know what the confusion was, but like see, like I see all that. I see that. Like I look, I'm like I was like oh oh I'm glad that wasn't a pick because DJ threw the ball where he. The yeah. receiver should have been, which he was supposed to be, but they got tangled up out there. And then um, 
receiver stops and DJ throws the ball. And we almost had a pick six like early in the game. And people would have been like, oh, that's on DJ. Nah, that's that's on the receiver. So it, it goes all hand in hand. Everybody's got to do their part and everybody has to be on the same page and and just and just and, and just want to and be and be ready. You know, you just have to be ready. And when your number's called, we got to go out there and make those plays. And we got to find that guy outside of um, Shipley and Antonio to go out there and make those plays. And that's just that's my opinion. Like, I just we just need another guy that's going to be that guy. Like, we don't have a Mike Williams anymore. We don't have a T. Higgins anymore. You know, we don't have it. We don't have a Tay Scott. We don't have. We don't have a um, <laughs> Hunter Renfro. We have, yeah, we don't have a Renfro. Like, they're gone. You know, we don't. We don't have. Um, we don't. We don't have a pal. You know, we don't. We don't like those guys are gone now. Like, where's that? Where, we need that guy, and. We got. I don't know, that's it. That's just. Yeah, I don't, but we got to go get them. That's another thing. We got to go get them. That's another thing. I feel like we're we, we've lacked on that. Like we got to go get. We got to go get some guys. I feel like we're getting out recruited a little bit with with positions. Like I definitely feel that. I don't see how Ohio State keeps snagging all these guys from South Florida, and I'm down here coaching. I don't ever see a guy down here with. Clemson office mm. with, with um, like I just played Shamanah Madonna and there's a there's a guy that I had I had ended up telling CJ about. I'm like, yo, this guy has all these offers, and why don't I see a Clemson one there? Like, why why are we why are we not down here with getting these guys? There's a lot of guys in Florida, or you know, I'm not saying Florida has we have a, a lot of talent down here. So I just don't know why we're not getting more guys. So that's, what, just, that's just that's just my opinion, and that's just that's that's me. Well, what's the answer from CJ when you asked that? Who from CJ? Oh, you said you asked CJ why aren't we? Why don't I see Clemson down here? You said you asked him that. I thought. Yeah, I asked him. Um, he just asked for his name. I told him his name, and that was it. So hopefully, you never know. Might end up seeing one now. So like, but because I coach down here, so I can I I can throw a guy at them easily and just say hey, this is a name and you want him you want him but you know i seen the guy with my own two eyes i saw him really go up and high point a ball at least at seven feet or higher so but that doesn't tell you something about his ball skills and his strong hands i don't know what does going back to that uh almost interception you mentioned it was on the first drive it was mm-hmm. a little slip screen and specter went to I guess not wide enough, and bumped into bumped to into Bo to Bo. Yeah, what what I cannot understand is that is off your script. That's something you've been repping. I'm assuming that's on your script because it's the opening drive. You've been repping that 50 times all week during walkthrough, all that, right? I mean, as a receiver, like that's something that you should not mess up in terms of the of the precision of a of a of a combo route like that where, where the you know they... i mean it's a lot of things that can go into play they could have gave them a different look than what they were expecting yeah. and could have confused them so I, I take a lot of things into a, into it whenever you you look at it that way but you know we don't know what the play call was exactly and we don't know what kind of look they prepared for and what look they got because i know they would prepare for a few looks but you know if they got a, a you know if they got a look that 
was just very different and could have confused him, you know, for his angle. Uh, you know, we don't know. You know, I, you know, we, we don't know. But when you see the flashes of like the offense looked great at first. We were moving the ball very well, very aggressive. I loved the play calling. We even we had some good runs with DJ. Um, he was getting right. He was just getting downfield. You know, like like just get just get. He was getting downfield. Shipley was running it, and then just you know just stalled. It just that's what gets frustrating when it when it stalls because we're not used to that. You know, we we have not been used to the offense just stalling and just you know just. It's not being there. You know, that's the frustrating part about it. So, I, I know we've seen quarterbacks not meet lofty expectations before. That happens. But I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback go from – a highly regarded quarterback go from looking sensational in two starts as a freshman to looking bad the next year as a starter to then looking really good meaning this year, for over the first six games, to now looking like he's in a shell. Have you ever seen such a roller coaster of performance and even, I guess, mentality that sort of fuels that performance? Um, I mean, it's a, lot on, it's a lot on the quarterback. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, DJ's, you know, they're, they're still young men. You know, they're still young men. They're still growing. And I know that they always have a lot on their table at that position. They have a lot to learn. They have a lot that comes with that position, and they know it's going to be a lot of criticism that comes with that position, especially if you show the flashes of, you know, what he did when he first started, you know, that everybody kind of just held on to. It's like, okay, that that was great. We did it. But, you know, we lost that game against Notre Dame. You know, that was – but that what that he played amazing. Him, Powell played great. Everybody, ETN played great. Um but we just, you know, we still lost that game, and everybody kept holding. You got, you, you gotta, you have to let that, you have to let those games go. Like, okay, that's what, we, that's what he did. Then we got to go now. Like now, we we don't have those guys, so like we got to start figuring out what Shipley does well at the running back. Like, what can he, what does he do well? You know, because the same way that we figured out how great Etn was, we we did stuff that was to his benefit. So that's something that we we figured out with Shipley. Now, boom, now we got Shipley going. We know how to get him going now to where it doesn't take Shipley to the second half. Now he's going – he's getting going early now in the game. So I don't know if you've noticed, but he's definitely has picked it up to where he used to pick it up as, as he goes. Now he's just in full go mode all the time. Like it's, it's been, it's been a, a big transition to see. And um, it's, a, it's, it's – but like I say, it's a lot on that quarterback position and – he, you know, it, it, it's it's just it's it's what comes with the territory at that position and being at that at that level. And I know that's something that you know he's he has to weather. He's got a storm, but we have you have to have consistent play at that position. And that's something that we've been used to the last 12, 10 years, ten plus years. So whenever we're not getting that, that's where the frustration kind of sets in. To you know why, you know, but that's something that we don't know. And like I say, we got to get those playmakers on the outside more consistently as well and then once we do that we'll be just fine you mentioned on twitter you think now's the time to probably play both the quarterbacks with the play i don't see why not at this point yeah it's it's, what do you what do we have we don't have we're not playing for the cfp so now we're going to play more relaxed then now they can play they're going to play more loose they're going to have a little weight off their shoulders now because it's that part is over with let's just go ahead and just accept that for what it is 
Uh, now we just got a championship mindset. Now we just now we got to go beat Tar Heels. So I don't see why you can't play both quarterbacks. Like let's not even just just straight up just see what happens if you play both. But that's just that's something that I would do. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. When you're Ready for a complete renovation in your home or business? Open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. What do you feel? Of course, within a week after a home loss of South Carolina, um, emotions are high with fans. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a sentiment out there that hey, we're we're losing our our stature and we're declining. Um, people are saying that you know some of the inexperienced coaching hires that uh, Dabo has made is sort of catching up to them. What is your big picture take? Not just you know not just relative to the last game, but just the the big picture take on this program, where it is and whether you think it's still um, capable of getting back to that national championship level. I guess you already mentioned the need of playmakers on the outside, so that gives an indication of what you think on that count. But just wondering what your your general big picture take on this program is and, and, and where it is. I mean, the program is still great. The program is still where it is, is the program is still high um so i don't know why people still why people are thinking that it's just like it's done and we're done um people gotta understand this team is still young and they're actually rebuilding as we like you're seeing a team rebuild and still get guys out into the league that are that have been there for a while and are making impacts while still rebuilding with inside you know we have young guys that are playing like antonio's a freshman he's playing um, you know, like Bo Collins is a sophomore playing. Um, 
you know, we have a lot of guys that are that are playing this game young. So that's just part. It's a, it's a part of the growing process, and everybody expects Clemson to be up there all the time, which is great. I love it. It's it's that's what we that's where we put ourselves at now. Like that's and that's what you want. You know, you want to put yourselves at the top level and be there, like a Alabama, like a Georgia. Um, and that's where we that's where we are, and that's the that's the that's the take that we have now, and that's something that we have to accept. And people are gonna look at us if we struggle any, and anytime Clemson struggles, it's like the biggest thing in history, like all over the world. But you know, other teams struggle; it's not really like a big deal at all. You know, nobody nobody knocks any other teams for struggling except for Clemson, which I don't understand it. But Clemson's gonna be just fine. You know, they're they they're gonna they're gonna be just fine we we have guys that are playing hard still and just got to make sure they're just all always there and buying and that's just my and that's my take on it but we're not losing we're not losing a dynasty for what i heard like there's no dabbo dynasty being done we're far from being done you know this team is still going to finish in the top 10 and that's all to it and you're not going to be able to take any of that away from those those men you played in the NFL for four years. Um, I've talked with a lot of former uh, former Clemson players on this podcast, and we've talked about the transition away from football, and it it's often abrupt. You know, your whole identity, you know, that your life has been based on your, you know, for your whole existence. When it when it's over, uh, it, it's tough to sort of move to something else and and sort of yeah. rediscover a new identity. Just curious for your perspective on that through your uh, transition, um, uh, I guess, nine years ago? Yeah, something like that now. Um, I mean, it was just, uh, it was just, when you didn't, it just all depends on how your story goes. For me, you know, I never really got a closure from, you know, the NFL that, you know, I was just like, kind of like done. Um you know, I I thought I had a, I knew I had a very good camp with the Titans right before they released me. And even when they did release me, I was like, oh, I'll get picked up or I'll at least get a workout. But just to never get a, a workout again and never to be able to put the helmet on the says NFL again, that was something that was tough to it was a tough pill to swallow. So you just so I had to figure it out, you know, and then you know I had to wait until I got some bitterness out of me to even be able to watch the game of football actually for a little bit. Mm. And you know, it took me a while, but you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with it. And coaching has definitely been something that's helped me out a lot. Been coaching at my, my old high school and that's been my peace. You know, my kids, they don't realize how much of an inspiration that they are to me uh, and how much they help me as opposed to, you know, I'm, I'm over here giving back my knowledge and, you know, just giving back my, my wisdom to the game to them, but they have no idea the impact that they have on me. So that's, that's the part where it, you know, it comes full circle in my in my life that you know my purpose is being for the kids and to help them and um you know we just we just it's just people that love clemson football at the end of the day and we want this program to be successful and that's all you see is people with emotions you know and we want the best for the kids and we want when we for these young men i should say and we want them to be great you know we want them to be great at all times and compete with these guys because i know that they can do it you know i get so tired of seeing these guys talk bad about us and think that we can't compete but i'm like yo we have to we have to prepare for a different team every week so you got to understand we're getting the best shot from everybody every, every week it's a championship week for everybody that plays clemson now 
and that's just what we, that's what we signed up for. So we're good. I think we'll be fine. There's no need to for people to be panicking. Like I think it just hurt to lose to South Carolina, to be honest. And everybody's just a little butt hurts. But it's over and done with now. They got us after seven years. They can celebrate. Good job for them. They were better team that day. But they're not going to play in a, in a championship game for the conference, so they'll still be sitting on the couch. <laughs> How long did that bitterness last with you not being able to even watch football? Um, probably say about three years. Wow. Yeah. Like we're talking just NFL or college as well? Uh, college I can watch, but not like out publicly though. Would watch mostly at the house if I did. Take me back to that, to those three years. What, what? I mean, just, I just want to get a better, better window into what that was like for you. Just that bitterness and and having to, yeah, just, just feel, you know, you just feel angry at the league, and you know, even when you had, you know, Dabble even wrote a letter to every GM, every um, head coach, you know, about me, and you know, we still didn't even get a a budge, a nudge. So that's the part that you know you. you it started to hit me like what that NFL really stands for sometimes that I got, I heard about a long time ago, you know, it stands for not for long. So it was just starting to, to come into reality with that. And reality was setting in it, setting, settling in that, you know, you're probably done playing NFL ball. So it just made you just like, once you like kind of figure that out after a while, it's like, all right, once you're done, it's like, do you even want to watch football? So like, nah, I didn't want to watch football at all for the first three years. What were you doing during that time off the field or, you know, just sort of personally, family-wise? Um, honestly, I was living in, um, I think I was probably back here. I want to say, yeah, I was back here. Just, I was home. I was just working at a car dealership and just staying, staying busy. You know, I wanted to do something that had a lot of hours, so I would always be gone. So why not work at the car dealership business? I was just out there selling cars for a couple of years. And then you went into coaching after that? Yeah, then I went to coaching after that. What was so I was just watching some YouTube highlights from your time with the Raiders and good god, I'd forgotten just some ridiculous returns and touchdowns. What was it? Was it were there injuries? Um Um I had a so there was when we got we got we had got Carson Palmer and we played like right before Thanksgiving against the Chargers, and he threw a seam ball. He underthrew it and I caught it, and I kind of spun out of the guy's arm and my foot kind of stayed where it was, and the rest of my body kind of twisted. So my foot just kind of stuck and it twisted really bad. So uh, I thought it was broken at first, and then it just um, I got told it was a midfoot sprain. But uh, the whole time, it was really a Liz Frank, which is pretty much like a, the ACL of the foot, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I can explain it the best. So my whole my whole left foot was just unstable, and I didn't know it was a Liz Frank until I tried. I got a second opinion, but I didn't get that second opinion until after the season. And by that time, it was like it was healing, but it wasn't all the way healed. And the doctor told me that there's a possibility it can happen again if I twist it the right way. So it was a chance I just risk I had to take. So I was out there still practicing in camp and got to my second preseason game. I caught an out route and it twisted and I just felt it. I felt the pain coming and jogged off the field. And before you know it, I was out for that whole season um, as well for my third year. 
So yeah, it was just uh, it was it was injuries, you know, uh, misdiagnosed on their part and injuries as well. Well, that injury. Did that bring a lot of the bitterness, the misdiagnosis part? Yeah, most yeah, it definitely did. It definitely did. But just was a part of the game, I guess. And um, I guess I just should have got a second opinion earlier mm. on my part. But that's what you know. You're out there by yourself, and you you know you're young. You know, I, I didn't know. I was just listening to my trainers. So I thought they knew what was best for me. What allowed you to finally get some closure to the point where you could turn games back on again three years later? Um, just wanted to get out the house. We're starting to be de- get get a little down, get a little depressed. So, try to get out the house a little bit more, and then. I'm starting my little family, and that definitely kind of opened up my world a little bit. My daughter, she's almost three now. She'll be three in April, so she's been biggest blessing to me. Mm. So, been thankful about that. What's her name? Zara Oakland Ford. Nice. I love the name. What uh, you pick her up? Uh, I guess you said 11:45 in the morning. What? Yeah, how, about to, get to go pick her up now in a little bit. So, how cool uh, is that? Being able to do that, being able to be a dad. Great. It's great. Stay at home, dad with her. Then, you know, I would go coach in the afternoon, but now the season's done. You know, we're, you know, it's over with. It's over for now. So just getting to pick her up. And she, they had like a surprise elf today at school for her. So, <laughs> so she's, she's probably going to be excited. And I love it. And I, I just love that she's in school and she does well at school. So, probably one of the best things for me to, as a father, to experience because. I wasn't the brightest in school when I was younger. It took me a little while to get it, but she's just so smart. And see how smart she is. Just, uh, just kind of hits me a little different. Is coaching something you want to do, like, long-term and rise up the ladder? Um, I don't think I would want to go to the collegiate level. Honestly, I just probably just want to be, like, a little recruiting coordinator or something just because I love – I like to be around my family, and I don't like the, the long hours, to be honest, and – you know, Tony Elliott even told me, you know, you want to start coaching, he's like, start with high school. And if you like high school and you want to go advance more and more hours, like, then you can come to college. But with college, you know, you, you're there a lot. It's a lot of hours. You know, you put in a lot of work. And I'm just, you know, I, I just, I think I like to be around my family a little bit too much to commit to that right now. I'm just not at that point right now where I want to be full-time coaching and, you know, even look at the collegiate level, but I only want to be in one place. So that's just not, that's not even, that's not even a question. So if I can't be up in Clemson, I don't want to go anywhere else to be honest. You would go to Clemson though. Yeah, I would go to Clemson. That's the only place I would go. I told you, I just want to go recruit for them, whatever they need me to do. Um, just stuff like that, you know, be an ambassador for them. Have you talked to Dabo about this? No, I haven't. I haven't. Maybe you should. I might. <laughs> I do that. I remember standing with CJ in the like February of 2020. He was volunteer track coaching at Liberty High School, about 20 minutes from here. I remember when he was doing that. And I'm like, "Hey, man, do you?" I was asking him the same questions I'm asking you. I was like, "Would you? Would you want to get back into coach? Get into coaching?" He says. He says, yeah, he said, I, I might have an opportunity, but I'm just not sure that I want to, 
you know, like you just said, I mean, you you go into college coaching, that is your freaking life. Like, <laughs> it is, it is, it's it's your life. Like that's long hours, and it's, it's it is. You know, you're in there six in the morning, you're not gun done to eight nine at night. And you get home, then you know your kids asleep. It's like what you get to see them on Saturday after the game, most of the day on Sunday. Then Sunday afternoon, you're right back in there to go coach. Well, you got to go, got to go game plan. We got a game to go play. <laughs> so that it's just that turnaround and stuff like that for me that I'm just not ready for yet. Do you remember Dustin Fry? I guess he he was a senior. Yeah, I remember Dustin. Yeah, I remember Fry. Yeah, he uh. He coached under Chad Morris at SMU. Then they went to Arkansas, got fired within two years. And I've interviewed Dustin a few months ago. He is done with college coaching, at least right now, just really disillusioned. And he's volunteer high school coaching up at up in North Carolina and is going and playing golf in the afternoons, he goes and picks up his, his, his little boy from school, and he's loving life. He, he just really get a different perspective. Uh, now that he's out of that meat grinder, uh, I don't. Need, I don't know if he wants to go back. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you, it's real. It's real. You got to commit to it once you go. So we'll see. You know, we'll see. Like I said, I love seeing all the moments with my daughter right now. So that's that's been a big thing with me. Can I ask you one more question? Can I ask you about the shoestring play in 2008 against South Carolina? Oh, the cockadoodle deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you want to know? I want to know from beginning to end when you first when you first started working on it. Whose idea? I think it was Dabo's idea, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Dabo's idea. He um, he he drew it up, and we schemed it up. Actually, ran against our um, our defense. We ran it against our defense. Just actually ran it the same way we did against South Carolina to see if it would work. And once we knew we can get our defense, who was pretty smart because they almost figured it out, but they didn't. Um, we kind of knew it works. So uh, we're the, so we're, the, and it's, it's actually funny because now, you know, we're the reason that you can't be outside the, um, you gotta, you gotta be inside the numbers now before, and then they got to blow the whistle. So now it gives the defense a chance because before you could just kind of run off the field and not like declare that you were on the field <laughs> yeah. and just kind of, and I just went there and I stood right in front of Jeff Scott and Jeff Scott was like, all right, when I point, you just go. And all of a sudden, I see his eyes getting big, and I'm like, something's not right. <laughs> and I, and so, mind you, I had no idea that Cullen was just running for his life for a little bit. And he was just like, go, go, go. And I just turn, and I look, and I'm like, I don't even see him. And I just saw the ball just kind of just, like, float over. And I'm like, oh, there it is. And then I just caught it, made a guy miss, and then outran Chris Culliver for the end zone. And we romped him after that, a nice little rainy game. And... That was that was all she wrote. But now you can't do that. It's a penalty now. And you think y'all are the reason for it? We definitely are. You can you can ask Dabo. We're definitely the reason for that penalty. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it is. It is. That was a pretty important game too. It kind of kind of got Dabo hired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was. But I mean, I, I kind of feeling. I had a feeling he would get that job. What was your favorite moment? From being at Clemson, your most cherished that Miami, memory uh, that Miami game, winning that Miami game down here, Tr- just having him listen to me. You know the fact that Dabo actually listened to me, and we drew it up on the field right there on the sideline. Kyle Parker called it out, and we executed it to the perfection. 
just right off of drawing it up on the sideline. So just the fact that he actually trusted me and believed in me, uh, that says a lot about his character and that he would actually he doesn't he doesn't mind putting the ball in his player the game in his players' hands and he did with me and Kyle. And that's how he came away with knocking off the number ten team in the country. All right, let's go back to the dialogue. What do you remember from the dialogue of him what you're saying, what he's saying, and then y'all decide on that play? Um, I just told him that Randy Phillips was overplaying the corner all day and that if he does it again, I can post it and win. So we just made the play an alert play, and he called it. We went out there. We um, Kyle's like, all right, well, he's going to go up. He's going to post it. I'm going to throw it. He's going to catch it. We're going to win the game. And go out there. We, we do like a little dummy cadence to kind of see what they have. And I look over, and I see the signal, and he calls it. I'm like, uh-oh, he actually really called it. So I looked and just saw I saw the exact same look that I've been seeing all day. And the the deep the deep the and the defender did exactly what I needed him to do. And I just kinda baited him up to the corner, still like I've been running all day, and posted it inside and Kyle just hit me over the middle and I just made two guys fall into each other and stuck that ball across the end zone and held on to it went and I went and found my mom after that. Mm. Was Miami not interested in you in high school? They were, but mostly just for um, track. Mm-hmm. They were trying to get me on a track scholarship, not a football. So I took that to offense. You were 145 pounds when you left high school? Yeah, I was light. My kids don't believe me when I tell them I was 145 <laughs> pounds. I what? got to Clemson. I was 160. <laughs> I wanted to be 185 by the time I left. That is crazy. What did, what what did what have you taken from Dabo's coaching to incorporate into your own coaching? Anything? Any uh anything that's that rubbed off has rubbed off on you as a coach? Everything. Uh, I mean everything I've known as everything I've known as a receiver. Um everything I've known as a receiver, that's how I coach my receivers. You know, from stance and start to just even just um the fumble drills. Everything I teach them is all be, to be fundamentally sound, and I can literally teach it like the back of my hand, just because of how how detailed Dabo was, and just how much he he loved his receivers. That he never wanted a game to be lost with because of his guys, and that's something we always took pride in that room. And that's when I knew he'd be a great head coach because now they were going to get that same coaching that we were just getting in our receiver room and see how spoiled we were. Now the whole team was going to be able to get all of that. So now we had to share Miss Kathleen which we didn't like, so all the bacon and everything had to go. But the old lineman still always came and took all our stuff. They would always come get the white cake that she would make. Oh, that was so good. So the day that Tommy Bowden is out and Dabo is in, the move to Dabo surprised even Dabo. He told Terry Don, who, me? Are you serious? What was your reaction when you heard that he was the interim coach? Um, I mean, I was excited for him, but we just were, we didn't know what was going to happen in our room because he, he just came in the receiver room and he just, you know, we're all sitting there quiet. And he just looks at us. He's like, well, guys, I'm the head coach. And we're just like, yeah, <laughs> like you are. So what's like, what, what, what about us? And that was the first thing that he was really honestly starting to address about was us. You know, he loved us so much that he's like, I, I'm still going to coach you, but I have to find somebody to come coach you. And, Next thing you know, Jeff Scott walks in and 
we were just like, man, we was just yelling at Jeff Scott yesterday in practice. Now he's about to coach us. <laughs> and Jeff didn't know a thing on the offense either. So it, it was great. It was a great situation for him. That he had he had um, Aaron Kelly, Tyler Grisham, myself, Terrence Ash, Xavier Dye, um, yeah, Marquand. And, you know, you had a lot of, you had all veterans in that room. So we were all able to teach him the offense and, you know, just kind of help him out until he was able to get it down packed, you know, which he ended up doing. But, you know, it, it was less stress on him to teach us because we kind of already knew what we were doing. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about or anything we haven't covered you want to share? No, that's it. I'm good. I will let you go be a family man and pick up your daughter. That's awesome. Glad you're able to do that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. We'll keep in touch. All right. All right. Thanks to Jacoby Ford for sharing his time with us. Great stuff to hear how well he's doing, to hear how important the family stuff is to him. I'm sure his former head coach, Debo Sweeney, is proud. Thanks to the support of our sponsors for helping make this happen. And most of all, thanks to every one of you for hitting that play button. Cheers.